This is the end. Beautiful friend. I won't say it now. <laughs> it's officially started. <laughs> but you don't. So I had that discussion with. Uh, I had that discussion with Coach, with Mike Staub, right? Because he was trying to. Uh, he was trying to organize his life. So, yeah, it's recording. So. No, I, just, I didn't know if my light was on. The first time we did this, I didn't have any audio. We had to redo it, so I was just trying to look at it. So Staub and I had this conversation because he was trying to organize his life so he had enough income, income streams related to lacrosse that he could just be a lacrosse guy. That's the dream. It's not the dream. For some people. The, the, the dream should be... And I, I'm saying this because I'm, you know, I'm trying to justify my existence. Um, the the dream should be, you know, have two careers, right? One career is lacrosse, and the other one finances the lacrosse career, and then you can do whatever the hell you want with your lacrosse career, right? So you run across crazy parent, you run across crazy board member, you run across crazy governance guy. You can just tell me, go fuck yourself. So the dreams to be a volunteer. That was the best part. Like that was, the, that was the best part at home, growing up, whatever. That everyone's a volunteer. So if you get on the coach too much, that's fine. They're gonna leave. Well, the so parents almost police themselves. You know, I, get the crazy ones out because we don't want to lose our coach. So when I, when I started friends with youth lacrosse, that was, I can. It was basically a one man show, right? I mean, Mind don't get me wrong. Keeping score, everything. Oh my gosh, it was it was crazy. There were there were people who were helping out, right? Don't get me wrong, but you know, generally, it was it was a one man one man show. And whenever I got the crazy parent who would come at me, I had I had put together a uh, it was a very official looking form. It was the volunteer application form, and I always kept one in my pocket. So when a parent came at me, I'd pull out that form and say, "Hey, that's awesome. Here's here's a a form." A volunteer form. You can be the president now. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you. You can do this. There wasn't a lot of takers. You were so right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I should introduce us. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, sure. I guess. So it's Saturday. We're like in what? Is this what? We're like a month into this stay-at-home apocalyptic, whatever this is, right? Um, I'm here with Kiernan Liming from 3D slash Memorial. Yeah, um, and a few days ago, I I I I had sat down, and I was I was I was going to put together the last podcast, right? The last episode of the podcast. Tear. Right? Yeah, done. Right. So I sat down by myself, and I think I, I I think before I sat down to do it, I think I poked it at you and Mike and said, "I'm done." I right? didn't believe it. Uh, yeah, you. I think you didn't believe it, and Stobbs like, ah, yeah, let's just get some beers in this and burn it down. <laughs> um, but then I tried to sit, sit sit down by myself, right, and 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 just come up with like a five or ten minute. Okay, put a bow on it. I'm done. And I couldn't. It sucked. So that's when I reached out to you. Monologues said, are scary. Yeah. Being left alone by yourself. I said, hey, I can't do this by myself. Why don't you just come over? No, I didn't say come over. Let's get together. And you offered to come over. Um, so when the police come, the stormtroopers come looking, yeah. you're, you're the person My who violated fault. the quarantine. Ship me back to Canada. <laughs> um, so we got, I asked you, hey, let's do this together, right? And then I can put a bow on this thing and be done with it. Um, 
So that's the idea behind today. It's just you and I just talking and, and me being able to, to reach some conclusion about what I've done here and, uh, and move on with my life. Does that seem reasonable? Yeah. Shoes on the other foot. You're the guest now. I'm asking the questions. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? So just to give you all some, some, some context, and you know this because we were just talking about it, was the idea behind this podcast was it was a finite thing, Right. I didn't want to believe it, but yeah. Yeah, it was, it was going to listen to when I run. It was, <laughs> it was the same 25, yeah. 28, whatever things over and over again. Um, when I first did this, I had a list, you know, I think I referred to it in my list of 12 people or 15, whatever the hell it was. I said, I'm going to interview these people. I'm going to put a bow on it. I'm going to put it on the shelf and, and maybe no one will ever listen to it. And I don't care because it was a vehicle for me just to meet people, right. And, and find out what's going on. And, you know, the mission was to assess the, the state of the sport. So it doesn't shock me that I've reached a point where I'm like, okay, I'm done. Especially if after I've talked to this many people, right? And outside of Houston, right? People all over the state and more people in Houston than I've ever, ever shaken a stick at and the number of people that reached out to me. So I'm not shocked that I've reached a point where I'm done with it, right? And uh, I appreciate you coming over and helping me wrap it up. No problem. <laughs> So the, the idea was to assess the state of the sport in Houston, right? That was the initial, initial plan. And, I mean, I feel like I have enough information to do that, or I did that along the way. But the bigger thing was just getting to meet, to meet, to meet everybody, right, and talk to everybody, um, which was super cool. And we were talking about it earlier. Now I feel like I could just call somebody up and say, hey, let's just go grab some coffee and talk lacrosse. Yeah. I, I don't need the crutch of a podcast to do that. <laughs> Selfish. You got you to share the, share the wealth, share the information. Yeah, I know. And we talked about that too, right? It's like I, I, I agree with that to some extent. But I also want to encourage people, hey, as, as, as part of, in my brain, what I've kind of walked away from all this, we as coaches and members of the local community, we need to do a better job of, hey, let's go grab a coffee. And, and let's talk, I mean, you and I had a Coach's convention. Yeah. I've already yeah, booked yeah, it in my calendar. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, you and I sat for, how long did we sit last time we met? And we went to Avalon? Oh, it was like oh, four yeah, yeah, hours yeah, that, that we were at Avalon. With, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, she why? She just kept giving us coffee. Yeah, that was a lot of coffee. Um, but, I mean, it, it, as much as, as much feed, positive feedback as I've gotten about this podcast from other coaches and other lacrosse people, I mean, part of the message is like, Y'all can do this too. And what I mean is y'all can go grab coffee with somebody and, and, and sit down and bend their ear. And we need to do more of that. Right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think something even more, that's why I'm a big fan of uh, Coach's Convention. Um, and I always just like to not even listen from new people, listen from people that I've already heard from, but just their idea, presenting something, whatever it may be. I mean, I think that's, you know, there, there's a lot of people out there. I don't know if I'm going to go call up everyone who's been on the podcast just so I can, you know, bend their ear even more. That's where I, I, I'm a bigger fan of podcasts and stuff, so it's it's out there for anyone who wants to listen. Yeah, and, you know, you get to listen on your time and when it's convenient. And I, yeah, I, I get all that for sure. Yeah, I agree with that. I do like the idea, though, of, of what you just talked about, kind of going back and, and revisiting and talking to the same people, right, and, and seeing how their opinions have changed, right? Um, I, I think about when I was at IMLCA, there was a coach there, and I can't remember his name all of a sudden. I think he was, I think he was from Victor High School. Oh, yeah, you were telling me about that. Right? I think, yeah. I actually reached out to him about the coaches' conference, and he was like, yeah, let's talk. 
that sounds interesting. And what I loved about him was he'd been around lacrosse for forever. His coaching staff had over like 100 years of experience. And he gave a presentation about uh, man down defense. And he had like such well thought out, informed opinions, right? I mean, to the gnat's ass detail. But you know he's been doing this long enough. That's, that's probably the 12th iteration of what his opinion about man down defense is what, right? Or even just how he explains it. I mean, I know a lot of coaches can watch something and say that was a good play or that was a bad play, but to explain it and concise, that's, that's a hard thing to do. Yeah, well, and develop that message over time, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah, for sure. Um, oh man, let me adjust this. This is the day that my neighbors chose to install new landscaping in their yard. <laughs> I guess I should have mentioned we were outside, huh? Um, all right. I'm trying to think of what else. Any unifying themes from all these interviews? Someone's got to go build yeah. lacrosse, start lacrosse. Oh man, I grow I, it I gotta, somewhere. So we we talked about got it. Right, as usual, right? We we talk for 30 minutes before we get rolling here, and you know, we never record that that stuff. Um, I think for me, one of the, the, the biggest moments, uh, I hate to call it a revelation because it's not, it developed over time, but it kind of crystallized it for me during this, was when I talked with Andres, um, and for anybody who's got three hours to invest in a discussion, that's worthwhile, right? That's a, that's a really good discussion with Andres. But during his discussion, I mean, he's from Long Island, like we were talking about, you know, and in most people's brains, that's a hotbed of lacrosse, right? And it's the center of the lacrosse universe. And, you know, the name... Uh, Harvey Cohen, right? Andres talked about him a lot. And here you are in the hotbed of lacrosse where there's tons of schools and programs and teams and there's that generational component we all talk about and there's, there's that density that we talk about all the time. And yet there's still this guy, this one guy, that for years and years and years, right, he was central to the story, right, uh, that Andres told about youth lacrosse in Long Island. And, you know, for, for me, that just kind of crystallized what, what has developed over talking with everybody, which is, I mean, I, you know, be blunt about it. Your governance doesn't matter, right? THSLL, GHYLA, that shit doesn't matter, right? It's the folks that, that I've talked to, right, the folks that you know, the folks that I've gotten to know as a part of this. It's, it's Harvey Cohen, right? Um, those are the people that matter, right? The, the, the people that show up at a field, find a field, show up, put the lines on the field, get the goals set up, round up enough boys to go play, and make sure they don't kill each other, right? Yeah. That's what matters. It just this, you know, and, and, and when I was talking with, uh, with Jess, I, can't, I, don't, I don't think we recorded it. I think it was afterwards. She asked me. She goes, so what do you think about all this THSLL governance. What do, you, what do you think about all this stuff? I said, Jess, it just doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. And she goes, you know what? She goes, I think a lot of coaches feel that way. I said, yeah, I think they do too. Because they, they just know it doesn't, it's not relevant to what folks are trying to do on the field, right? Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's one of the overarching themes for sure. And I know you feel that way. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel that way for kind of different reasons i mean definitely in the hotbeds there's there's a lot of those people who've been doing it for a long time and passed down you know the 
the knowledge of being a good volunteer and being efficient, like that's, that's huge. And that's, you know, you're going to have people in cities, maybe more, maybe less, but you're going to get good opportunities to play and practice and be lacrosse players if things are run, you know, efficiently and well. And I I don't think anyone, (laughs) if there was a perfect blueprint, it may work here and may not work somewhere else. Like there, there's no, there's no single unifying answer. You just listen to these podcasts and pick up some good tips and, you're a little bit better for man you know you talk to uh, so i think of you know rich right in dallas or and and you know brand in san antonio and bill in austin i, I bet you talk to them and it, they'll all tell you yeah each one of these cities could be governed differently right yeah. they're, they're, what works in austin doesn't work in san antonio and doesn't work in houston so the idea that we can govern this state effectively right yeah. it, when Back in the day, so shout out to Chris Arnold, Bob Wallace. Um, there, there was a there was a group of us who ran GHYLA for a few years. Uh, Tim Bodan was was hanging around at the youth level at that point, right on the serving on the board on GHYLA. Um, I think the idea that we tried to strive towards was it's a federation, right? We've got resources, or officials, fields to some extent, right? But really, what the the, the GHYLA, the governing body, should be doing. It's very, very much a federation about providing resources and support. It's not heavy-handed governance because it just doesn't work here. It's not like we have a central location where all the fields are and all the volunteers are and this is where everybody comes to play, right? It's, it's not like that at all. Well, and yeah, I mean, I think in a lot of other places too, that's all it is, you know? Like at home with CLA or like U.S. lacrosse, it's, it's almost sometimes they're just uh, a source of insurance more than anything. Right. You know, there's grants and whatever if you need it, and they're giving you guidelines and rules to follow if you want to play with everybody else and how to do it, but they're not coming in and trying to micromanage associations. Yeah, I mean, you know, the idea that GHYLA is going to be able to align a third and fourth grade team with ultimately the high school that those kids are going to go to. Ugh. I get, I get more worried <laughs> that, you know, at, at a basic level, you know, being in charge of a high school and the youth program that we have enough for that team to survive. Right. And great. Then how can we make it better? Have a second team right. or own league, like whatever it is. I'm not, you know, and that's selfish of me, but that's, that's but what that's my the, job is. You, you're, so when I started, Friendswood Youth Lacrosse, right? The first two years that we existed, we were just a house league. That's the model, right? I mean, and, and the second year we existed, we actually spun off of that. We had enough boys who wanted to continue to play, and I think we spun up two teams after that that reached out to some of the GHYLA teams and played some of them, right? But that, that house league at that level, that's where it's at, right? And that's, again, like all, all the coaches kind of care about. They don't care about the governance, getting on a field with enough players to right. play a great game, have a practice, whatever. It's, it's it, you know, don't, don't overthink it. Yeah, 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 don't overthink And let the, you know, and I, and I think some of the THSLO discussion now that's interesting is, you know, about bringing coaches more into the fold. And there's something to that because it's, it's the coaches who give a shit. It's the coaches who are around the longest, and they should have a voice. Um, and at the youth level, it's the, it's the coaches who are getting all that stuff organized, right? Yeah. At least over the long term. I don't know. But no, yeah, I think making, av- making it a kind of democratic thing can, you know, I think a lot of good could come out, come out of that. I know for me, though, too, I'm not worried about the whole state. You know, I just kind of want to know how to get Memorial better and get more kids playing or whatever. I, I've got a lot of my own 
local problems that <laughs> right i need to get bodies to practice yeah um and you know i need lights i need a field and i want to play competitive games mm -hmm. you know and i think that's where you know Staub and i've talked about this a lot you know at, at the beginning of the season when thsll was proposing you know i think one more division here locally right i think there was going to be one more yeah the and, 4A the, and everything all that yeah and then the required number of games per, for any one team was lower and and we were like man that's awesome because then you could go play whoever you want to play yeah. and probably play a better schedule right yeah no and i mean yeah i know that's something that i you know try to look for competitive or top end just give us a balanced schedule but yeah i mean i think i don't a, a lot of stuff gets over overlooked just kind of being on the field and Helping coach better young men, America's next don't level let, leaders. Don't let that. Uh, I don't even know what that is. So it looks like a. Yeah, I don't know what that was. Love bug or something without his partner. Um, yeah, so that was probably the biggest theme for me was that, that it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter, man. And uh, you know, it's a it's a recur any anyone you listen to, right? Whether it's Jamie Monroe or heck, even the. Like some of the soccer coaches and some of the podcasts out of, out of the UK, listen to those guys. And it's all about free play, right? Pick up I'm, games. I've been listening to uh, the talent equation, which is um, a lot more kind of scientific stuff behind it and a lot more education. But yeah, that's something they're, you know, harping on a lot, which I mean, I definitely try to do. I've been doing year end Zoom meetings, just kind of kicked it off. And, you know, I think that's one thing that I took a lot of pride in when players saying how much more fun it is to come to practice. I'm like, thank goodness, maybe more of you will make it to all of them next year. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that's where, you know, I know uh, Travis at Houston Christian, I, mean, I know he's trying real hard to figure out how he could organize and support a regular stand-up or pickup game, right? regular standing pickup game. And that's the kind of stuff we need to be doing mm -hmm. here locally. I mean, we, I almost thought about, you know, all the coaches that I've talked to as part of this podcast, you know, hitting each up individually. And I know it's naive because, you know, in this litigious world we live in, there's freaking insurance and fucking waivers and all that shit. But it would have been fun to all these coaches that I've met here locally challenge each one of them and go, hey, Jeremy Platt, on this day in the summer, why don't you host the pickup game? And then the following week, hey, Travis, why don't you host it this week, right? And publish that schedule and say, hey, guys, here's, this is where the pickup games are, right? Yeah. I mean, I look at it a lot just especially because we got three guys, um, three seniors this year going to go play at the next level that I almost want something like that for them. So, you know, they aren't at a huge disadvantage from their teammates in Colorado or New York or whatever. They can, you know, it doesn't have to be anything special, but I'm sure they get – a lot more out of dodging against someone else who's graduated in the last couple of years compared to <laughs> right. beating me 10 times. Yeah, yeah, beat the old man. Congratulations, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember, um, I do remember, it was Carson Wallace when I talked to him. That was one question I asked him because, I mean, I, I've, I don't know Carson personally really well. I know his family. I know his youngest brother. Um, you know, I, I, I coached his youngest brother. So I've, I've you know, kind of been... Carson adjacent for a good chunk of his life, right? And I, I, I know, I knew the teams he played on and the coaching he received. And that was one question I asked him, hey, that fifth and sixth grade coach that you had, did that matter? 
I mean, what, what was significant about that fifth and sixth grade coach? That we had a field and somebody who was out there to make sure we didn't all kill each other, right? So there wasn't, there wasn't some secret formula at sixth grade that made Carson Wallace Carson Wallace, right? They just kept him interested in the sport and had him out there playing in fifth and sixth grade. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, no, one of our parents says it a lot. Like, you remember your coaches way more than you remember any of your teachers. And I can still remember my first coach ever. And, you know, a couple years later, being a punk seventh, eighth grader, being like, oh, he just didn't know what he's talking about. I know so much more. But I still remember, like, the few things he told me, which was kind of like a mixed message, but it worked, and we were successful, and I had fun, right. and kept me coming back. And I don't think I'm going to forget about that anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, I think the key is to keep him coming back, right? Oh. That's the end game. Keep him coming back and bring a friend. Keep. <laughs> I, I wonder now with all this, whatever this is, this this apocalyptic state that we're in right now. Um, I wonder what the impact is going to be. So in, in 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 the, and maybe I'm overthinking it, right? But I've spent all this time trying to assess the the, the state of the sport in Houston, and all of a sudden here at the end, I've been throwing a curveball, which is this this giant dead space we've all been handed. It's like, what's the impact going to be? I mean, are kids going to come back? Are kids not going to come back? Does it matter? I think I'm just overly optimistic. We're doing a lot of, you know, virtual stuff. And um, I kind of get to interact with kids all over the country. And, you know, it's, it's, been, it's been really good that I think I'm probably more optimistic. I know everyone I talk to, I feel like their opinion is completely different, which I get. We're all what sitting have, in our homes thinking our own things. So. What have been the opinions that you've received from folks here locally? Uh, yeah, just a lot more kind of negative ones that if, you know, whatever organization or, you know, whatever team was struggling before, this is only going to make it worse. More time on the Xbox is going to... Yeah, because so many teams, teams are always teetering right on the edge, right? I got 23 kids, right? and I got 27 kids, or I got just enough that I can't have a JV but it makes it a pain to have just a varsity, right? And you, you know, everyone's operating on the on the on the cusp of something, and you wonder how what the impact will be, if any. Maybe yeah. I'm overthinking it, man. I, I think you're overthinking a little bit. Like I've done a workshop in Arkansas, and they play high school seven on seven. You know, I, th I think that things were to get that bad, you know, that could be another opportunity. I don't think, you know, I don't think anyone's just gonna say lacrosse is dead forever. Yeah. I just realized we never went through uh, your formal lacrosse history. If I'm interviewing you, you want, you want to spin through that? We've or? never done that. I don't think you have. I don't one think here. I have. I know I've. I know I've heard it before, but yeah, my formal lacrosse history. Wow, um, it's all over the map. The, the, so the crazy part is it's late, right? Um, it's not like I grew up playing the sport. I didn't grow up playing or watching or knowing anything about it. Frankly, um, my son was in. I think in fourth grade in Friendswood and playing baseball and got tired of baseball. I'm like, dude, you're the catcher. I mean, you're involved in every single thing there is to be involved in. He goes, nah, I'm bored. I want to do something different. So I don't know how he saw or ran across lacrosse, what the deal was, but he basically said, I want to do that. So at the time, there was not uh, youth lacrosse in Friendswood. The next closest youth lacrosse program was in Clear Lake. Um, so I think I reached out to Steve Kirk at the time, who was the high school coach at Friendswood. And I can't, I, I'm assuming I kind of reached out and got his blessing, but then spun up Friendswood Youth Lacrosse. Um, you know, my son played there 
through sixth grade. I, that's where I started coaching. I, man, I didn't know shit. <laughs> I had no business coaching in fifth and sixth grade. I, I mean, point, I sometimes right? uh, like it when people come on it later in life when, you know, especially if they don't have any resources to get information from where you can sometimes come up with the best stuff like hey we're just gonna do you gotta get by stations and we're just gonna work on these skills and you know sometimes that works i know there's you know there's stuff i did that was when i was a kid that was not the most efficient you know for getting us better i just remember some of the stuff i was doing back then was just so crude and rudimentary but (laughs) you, you you the problem is you you look back at it and you go that was crude and rudimentary right but at some point in your coaching career, you get to this apex where you're like, man, I'm super sophisticated. <laughs> Look at all these gadgets and all these drills. And then you realize, okay, this is all stupid, right? And then you look back at that crude and rudimentary stuff and you go, I wasn't that far off. Yeah. <laughs> right? No, I mean, it's funny. I do a lot of that stuff now, and I'm sure my players can attest to it, where I'm like, I know it isn't stupid, but is it worth, you know, to get this much better at this skill? You know, sometimes I definitely – I've got some PVC, made, made a couple little uh, – hurdles for guys to go under getting ground balls it's like is that is that worth it i mean i i enjoy it because it makes sure they get low instead you can't cheat that but yeah you know what what is the right way yeah oh man those were good times so yeah he played he played through sixth grade in friendswood um at that point i had met john perowdy uh it's funny i had actually yeah there's a lot i think john and i talked about it on his podcast but i'd met john perowdy at that point john at that point was coaching uh, the hornets so my son, 7th uh, and 8th grade year, went to play for the Hornets. That was right about the time. I think his 6th grade year was probably about when I started to get engaged in GHYLA. So, you know, there was probably three or four years there, maybe five, where I was either president or vice president of GHYLA. Um, so that was kind of my introduction into the governance of the sport. Governance, in air quotes. Um, so I wasn't doing a ton of coaching at the point that my son went off to play Hornets his seventh grade year but I think starting his eighth grade year I think is when I got hooked up with the outlaws Um, and I think I started coaching the outlaws and then also took over running the outlaws organization from Bob Wallace Um, that sounds right so I, I coached two or three years with the outlaws continued to work in the governance with GHYLA um, then my son went up, he was in high school at that point. Um, I'm trying to remember, I, I don't remember the, the succession of events, but at some point, I think when he left Houston Christian, I think at that point, you know, I obviously was done with the outlaws cause they were affiliated with Houston Christian. So I think at that point I moved over to Cy Fair and the Ironmen and was coaching youth Ironmen, coached with, uh, Jason at Legacy, right. And moved over to Magnolia. Right, so it's and then, you know, about the time I moved over to Magnolia was when I came and met up with you, you know, started coaching with 3D, right? Coached with the Dirty Birds a little bit. I think this last summer, um, so kind of all over the map. At at one point, the the part I missed in there when my son left Houston Christian, he we had at that point moved to this side of town and he was at Cy Woods. Cy Woods didn't have a team, so I spun up the team at Cy Woods. Um, so he could play his junior and senior year at Cy Woods. So I was the president of that organization his junior and senior year. Um, so that was 20, 2015, 2016, 2016, 2017, somewhere in there. 
Uh, now, having said all that, I started playing when he started playing. So that fourth grade, fifth grade year, whatever it was of him, that's when I started playing. So I played for, at the time, it was Space City, down on the other side of town. Right now, they're the Barnacles. Um, played for them. Then we moved to this side of town. Played for the Cyclones. Played for the North Stars. Now I'm playing for uh, St. Arnold's. And then whatever craziness is, is going on outside of that. Right? So, yeah, Mike Brand and I were talking at one point. Because we were talking about this uh, black hole that ran. And I asked him, I said, so, hey, did you see I, like, some article or something? And he goes, no. I was like, what, how did you, he goes, I'm, I'm, I'm checked out. I'm, this, is, this is an opportunity to kind of check out and take some time off. He goes, I've been doing this for 20 years. That's when I kind of stepped back and realized, holy shit, I've been doing this for like 12 or 13 years yeah, or whatever been, it's been. So right? many podcasts are like, well, this is my <coughs> first spring of my life without lacrosse. Yeah, right? So, yeah, I was like, man, it's taking a step back. That's kind of interesting, right? So, yeah, that's my full uh, abridged history. I still enjoy playing. I mean, I know my limitations. The playing part is actually the part I enjoy the most. Um, but I'm old, man. I'm about to be 50, right? I know my limitations. Um, I, 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 the funny part is my, I say I know my limitations, but my wife will say, yeah, he knows them, but he doesn't pay attention to them, right? Just walk right over them. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't pretend to be under anything other than a 50-year-old lacrosse player, but it does give me, and I know you probably have the same, uh, I, I bet you have the same experience with your boys, which is, I mean, you a, actually have a legitimate history with the game, first off, but when you play and when you're still playing, right, and when you've got legitimate stick skills, it gives you some credibility with the boys, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've had a lot of, Coaches that, you know, only played with wooden sticks. Maybe that, I think I was like 15. One of the dads came out and he was always using his wooden stick. So, we're, so it's just, it's, it's different. I mean, and maybe that's, that, that's probably a good point. I mean, but I think you have credibility, don't you? No, no, yeah. But I, I wouldn't necessarily think a coach doesn't if he doesn't have as good of a stick. You know, he may have not picked it up and only been coaching or whatever. But, you know, I could still look up the teams that my coach was on when I was 15 and be like, yep, yeah, nah, that's pretty, pretty good. Love to go do something like that one day. But, you know, yeah, just because he wasn't as good with a plastic stick doesn't mean he couldn't play with a wooden stick yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. But, no, but it's I a, think it's it definitely, that credibility helps. I think, you know, for me, like uh, at Sevens, you played at Sevens. I think I bumped yeah, into you I at did. Sevens, right? Yeah. So, you know, I had a couple boys out there on my Magnolia team who were out there watching, and they caught a couple of my games. And, again, they know – I know my limitations. I'm not fast. I know that. <laughs> right? But, you know, that was a thing when they were like, yeah, we saw a coach play, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that was a thing. You're right. Yeah, no, I remember uh, senior C or whatever at home going to watch a couple of those games and knowing that my coaches played. Yeah, I mean, it gives them some credibility. I just don't think it needs to be the end-all, end-all, be-all. I agree. Do what I say, not, not what I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, think of – yeah, think of all the great coaches, right? Yeah. That never played, don't have sticks, you know, yada, yada. I agree. But it, it, it is helpful, especially here where the sport's so young. Yep, that's true. Right? And, and the, the kids don't know shit. Makes it interesting or exciting when watch coach rip it top corner or whatever. Yeah, yeah I don't think I'm ripping top corner. 
<laughs> something ripped. <laughs> yeah, something. I was laid up for four weeks after that. Something ripped. <laughs> so yeah, that's my uh, that's my history. Now I just want to focus. I think I think I just want to focus on coaching. And I'm not even. You know, it was interesting. Once I got, I was always hell bent on during my coaching career, growing my coaching, you know. Portfolio? Yeah. I mean, I wanted to grow that career just like I do my other career, right? And so, you know, I wanted to see growth. I wanted to see, yep, eighth grade, yep, in the high school, yep, head coach in high school. And now, again, I, I reflect on that, and I'm like, and I, said, I think I said it the other day, or I could just coach a bunch of fifth graders. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, I could probably be satisfied doing that. You know, definitely before puberty kicks in too much, that's that's the right time. <laughs> yeah, stay away from the seventh and eighth graders. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I don't know. It's it's definitely not the. I know I've talked to kind of coworkers and stuff about it before. Just some of the guys that have coached for us to be like, oh yeah, it must be really nice to just show up to practice and coach. You no, know, planning, finding fields, all that administrative stuff. But I don't know. I, I also think that. You know, we talking about it at the beginning, having a, a career to finance the coaching career. I think I would spend too much time on one, and it might cost me the other. <laughs> it's it's hard. Uh, you know, I'd I, I'd be lying if I didn't say right. You know, uh, there's actually you know there's some long lunch hours in there where I'm working on a a, co a plan, a practice plan, or you know Watch stuff like that. It it definitely happens, um, but it all works out. And it's a it's a good balance. I mean, you, you don't want to you don't want to have your entire well being as I'm talking to somebody whose entire well being is tied to the sport. <laughs> but you know for what I'm saying. Better for worse. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> I say that, and I'd probably be just as happy as being a yeah. coach full time. <laughs> I just need that job coaching fifth and sixth grade boys that pays about seventy five thousand dollars a year. When I find that job, yeah, yeah, I'm golden. <laughs> Me and everybody else. It's not going to be highly sought after either. <laughs> no, there won't be about 5,000 other people lined up for that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's too funny. So what else? I don't know. It's, it's your bus. I'm just along for the ride. I think that's it. Like I said, I don't – so I'm going to name names. Here you go. Uh -oh. I'm going to name names. Yeah. This, this is what Staub wanted. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to name names. Not, not in the context he wanted, though. <laughs> The, the three people that I wanted to interview that I didn't get to, right? And there's probably some others that popped up on the list that fell off the list. I, you know, Mike, Mike Ormsby at one point, I had reached out to him, at, not one point, a couple points, asking him to come on. And so there were some other folks that kind of popped up and rolled off the list. But there were three people on that original list um, that I didn't get to talk to. Uh, Tom Jank. And he and I have talked about it, and I've hit him up a few times, and... Uh, maybe the timing was just bad because I know he had some stuff going on right in his life. Um, I think he would have been a good one because he had such a he's got such a long history with the sport. I don't think people realize that. Um, so he he was one for sure, and everybody knows Pete Marin, right? I always wanted to get Pete Pete on. Um, I, I I respect the fact that that Pete didn't want to come on. Uh, doesn't mean I'm not going to mention his name. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't mean you're not going to throw him under the bus a little bit. I know, bit. right? I mean, I, and I, mean just, I, I get it. I got so nervous. I listened to other people's. I was like, man, I wish I could have been that relaxed the first, nah, well, first time. I was yeah, just, and, and Pete, I hate the sound of my own voice, too, more than anything in the world. <laughs> but Pete would have been fun for me just because, I mean, 
and I've said it a hundred times, and I'll say it for my whole life, that you, you'll, you'll be hard-pressed to find two better coaches for young boys or young men than Pete Marin and John Perotti. You just, you will, right? And, and both of those, I saw both of those men coach my son, right? So I know. And for me, it would it just kind of been, uh, for me personally, it would have been awesome to have Pete on and talk to Pete. Right? That would have been super cool. And the last one was Marty Whipple, who I didn't realize until recently was actually on the original list. Um, and then I think uh, Mike Donnelly had, had encouraged me, hey, you need to talk to Marty and get him on, right? And I think I had reached him out to, I reached out to him, I know recently, uh, but I reached out to him maybe one other time, I think, who knows, I can't remember, um, about coming on. But yeah, those were the three that I didn't, I didn't get. Which it is what it is, man. I don't, I don't harbor any ill feelings. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, the same way running an organization, whatever, you can get caught in the details. I think that list could have gone on and on the more you got into it. I know we were talking about how it ended up being twice as long as yeah. you thought. And I, I know people that kind of wanted to get, come on or whatever, but it's, yeah. Yeah, originally. If it's going to be a forever thing or not. No, it's not a forever thing. So here's, I'm going to, we're going to get deep into my psyche before we finish up okay. here. This is going to be very cathartic for me. So anybody who knows me really well knows fundamentally at my core, I'm actually a surfer. I spent years surfing. Um, surfing, I had a really strong crew that I surfed with. Uh, I shaped boards. I had my own shop. Where I shaped boards and glass boards. I didn't right? know this. So yeah, I yeah. I, I guess You're, I don't know you very at, well. At my core, I am a surfer, and it dictates everything about me still does I haven't surfed regularly in shoot five years maybe maybe more and by regularly I mean we would surf anywhere from three to five days a week like clockwork I mean it, it didn't matter my crew we were, we were a great crew we were all the same age right we were all in the same spots in life it was perfect and you know one thing you learn from surfing is it's not a pursuit like tennis or golf Right, where you can say, okay, tea time's Sunday at 12. It's, there's fucking surf. You drop what you're doing and you go surf. Right? You, 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 you have no control over it. Right? And I mean that in every sense of the word. You have no control over when it occurs. You have no control over whether or not you go because you go. Because right? that's who you are. I can't tell you how many holidays I ruined. But so I was like, man, honey, there's surf. I'm, I'm going. Right? Um, and I think with the, that comes some amount of fatalism, right? So as, as a surfer, not only are you, 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 know, you, you really exist the whim of the surf, the waves, the conditions, but uh, let's be frank, you, you, you're lucky enough to exist as long as the ocean lets you exist. Because the ocean and, and Mother Nature, I mean, they have ultimate control, right? And, and you know, the, there's nothing that says you have to come out of the water that day, right? There's not. So there's, there's a certain amount of fatalism that, that comes along with it. And, and, and to that end, right, there's an acceptance that, you know, things come and go. Things start, things finish, things end, right? And, and yeah, there's, there's seasons in life, right? We, you know, the, the crew that I surfed with, um, they were such great guys. And the, my crew kind of all broke up at the same time because everybody was like, all right, our kids are getting to that age where, you know, we got to, got to spin off and, you know, things were happening in everybody's life. Or the crew just kind of broke up. And it was interesting because it was that, that group, that core group of like five or six guys, give or take, 
it all, they all kind of went their own way all at the same time, which was super cool, right? And everybody accepted it. It's like, yeah, there's seasons to life and we all move on, right? Um, and we all kind of knew eventually we'd come back together at some point in our lives and, and surf again. Who knows? But I, I, I bet it will still happen. But, you know, when I started this, I knew there was going to be, that is super, like, existential there, but um, I knew there was going to be an end. It went on It went on longer than I would have ever dreamed, right? A, there's a, there's a few things that surprised me. A, it went on longer than it, I would have ever dreamed because people were interested in coming and talking to me, which I have no idea why. I'm just not that interesting. B, not only did people want to talk to me, more, more people than I would have ever thought, but B, people listened, which, again, I have no idea why people are listening to this. Um, why does anyone listen to anything? I know, right? So it was super surprising because uh, people reached out to me all the time. Hey, it's awesome. We love what you're doing. Super interesting. I've learned a lot. Right? I learned something about so-and-so that I never knew. So that was really cool. Um, you know, that, that, that people were actually listening and, and, and see people got something out of it. And what I mean by that was there was like the coaching community, the lacrosse community, right? There was a vibe that the community was getting something out of these discussions, right? Which was really cool too, because I would have never dreamed in a million years. When I had my list of a dozen people, it was like, I'm gonna talk to the, I think I mentioned it to you earlier, I'm gonna talk to these 12 people, I'm gonna record it for posterity's sake, and no one is ever gonna know I did this. <laughs> right, that was where my head was at. So yeah, I'm, I'm cool with being done, man. Now, but you brought up a good point, right? I still, I'm obviously gonna coach. Um, the, the coaches convention, assuming the apocalypse doesn't kill us all, uh, the, the coaching convention is still on, right? I, I, and um, that's still moving forward. So there's other things I'm gonna do, but I don't know. This was fun. Yeah. I learned so much, man. I, I just can't believe all these good people were willing to talk to me, right? Yeah, doesn't, doesn't cost them anything. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. I know, you know, you hear stories on people's backgrounds or whatever, but getting to hear it from them and their opinion on themselves or whatever, is uh, I think that was huge. Brings the whole Houston lacrosse. I mean, Texas. You know, you got a lot of people. Bring brings everybody closer together to be a better community. Yeah, and, and I agree completely. And some of the, you know, some of the one, some of the discussions I really enjoyed were discussions where people like Dave Littner. I mean, unless you're like, you know, I, I hear the name all the time, but right, and, unless you know. Like, you probably you know, don't you know, know who Doc is, right? And you don't realize his influence over all these years in the local lacrosse community. So getting to sit, that was, for Doc to carve out time to sit down and talk to me, that was awesome. Um, I was, I'm grateful for everybody I got to speak to, but I, I was really grateful to talk to Doc and for let people to realize, holy cow, all these things Doc has done, right? Um, and like Donley is another one, super great. Man, I, Donley's one of my favorite people in the world. And to be able to sit and talk with him, right? And, and let people know all that history and, and let people know how, how lacrosse and jazz are related. <laughs> that was awesome. So, all right. I feel like we've been talking a long time. Too long. <laughs> you, get to, you want to have the last word on this? Uh, no, I think you should. It's here. I don't have any more. That's all I got. It's, it's all about you, your experience and what you've learned. No, no. I'm just here so you're not by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I didn't have to sit in my yeah. office all by myself and uh, figure out what to say.
No, that was cool. I'm glad you came out. That was no, fun. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm glad to get out of my house, so. Yeah, yeah. We got you out. Hopefully you make it back safely and the stormtroopers don't back <laughs> down. Um, but yeah, thanks for coming. Thanks for sitting here with me. No problem. And talking to me. I appreciate it.